Hey everyone, Matt Straub here welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Before we get going today, a quick update on our schedule. Starting next week, we will be going to three episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as the regular season gets underway next Tuesday. And with that in mind, since we are right in the thick of draft season, we have some draft prep for you today. Ryan Knauss, Tommy Beer, and I all recently took part in the Yahoo Friends and Family Draft. I don't exactly know how or why we got invites, but we did. This is an eight-category head-to-head league, 12 teams, including Andy Barons, Dalton Del Don, and Scott Pianowski of Yahoo, among others. A lot of heavy hitters in this draft room, and we are going to break this thing down for you. In particular, we're going to break down Ryan's team. Tommy's team and my team and we'll start with Ryan Ryan you apparently pulled some sort of shady business to land the number one pick oh yeah while Tommy and I ended up at 11 and 12 this this all reeks of of conspiracy and backroom deals uh, <laughs> uh Tommy I assume you agree with me there a hundred percent I'm not sure how it was uh, you know what kind of uh, under shady underhanded <laughs> agreements were made but uh, it certainly seems the way maybe no, the, fa- the fantasy get- gods are favoring me that's all <laughs> So, Ryan, we're going to kind of run down your team more or less line by line. We'll hit at least all the guys that you uh, care to talk about. So you started off just with a major, a major shocker here at number one. I mean, you just blew the doors off this draft room. Tell us about it. Even though this is eight cat and this is my guy and nine cat, and I've already said his name twice, uh, <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns is was my pick. And James Harden went right after him, then Anthony Davis. AD was very tempting to me because that's a type of league winning type guy who if he hits and stays healthy, forget it. So I was tempted to take a swing at him, but Cat is just so safe, doesn't miss games. And it's strange because he's not a more boring pick. He maybe doesn't have the, the sheer explosive upside of a guy like Anthony Davis. I'm a little bit off Harden because of the Westbrook fear factor afraid of how he's going to impact him. And Steph Curry, a little bit of late-season rest kind of worries me. Um, so, yeah, Cat was my guy at number one. I, I think it, it sets you up where he has no weaknesses. So you could really build out your team in any direction once you get him. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue. And this is also a weekly league where lineups lock on Monday. So having that certainty of Cat and knowing that he's probably not going to screw you over in any in any given week, if any weeks, as far as, you know, midweek injuries go and i should say before we continue on andy wrote up a recap of this draft on yahoo and you know it within that story he has a link to the draft results so i will post that link in the show notes of this show so if you're trying to follow along as you listen look at the show notes of this show and click that link and there you go tommy i assume i mean uh, nothing really to nitpick about the the Carl Anthony Towns pick from Ryan yet. Definitely not. Just the one thing to touching on AD. I I'm just off Anthony Davis as far as top of the draft. Um, uh-huh. You know the the sprained thumb uh, injury in China. Just I I was nervous enough about the injury history, but I was definitely willing to roll the dice. You know, with one or two or you know obviously in, in the top four. But I'm just the the more I think about it, the more nervous I get. I think it was just kind of a reminder. Um, you know, him going to the locker room, being up, unable to complete the game. If you already drafted him, you're nervous to hear, uh, get a Woj tweet or a Shams tweet, you know, an update of the MRI. <laughs> you know, I think it's just right before the start of the season, it's kind of like, you know, being attracted is a really beautiful girl. 
but you know she's kind of crazy, but you're willing to, 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 you know, take the, the ups and downs with it as it might come. But then, she, you know, you get a crazy text at the very start of the relationship and you're like, let me get out of this thing before before I get, you know, too far involved. And that's kind of just where I'm at with AD. I definitely agree his upside is league winning, um, but there's just too many red flags there with the injury history. And I'm just, I, I'm more comfortable going with the short bets, Towns, Harden, Steph Curry, maybe even Giannis uh, in that top five. Matt, you, you hear a lot of, descriptions of ad pro and con but a pretty and crazy girl is that a new one to you (laughs) it is and i was gonna say the whole second half of this show i should have mentioned before is going to be relationship advice with tommy (laughs) here so as soon as we're done recapping the draft tommy will have the mic for about 25 minutes and he's just gonna go so that should be really good send in your love send in your love relationship questions and we'll we'll tackle them on a whole pod next time maybe (laughs) that's right uh all right so ryan your next two picks this is a 12 team league which i believe i mentioned if I didn't, I'm mentioning it now. But your two two next picks were at 24 and 25. You took Donovan Mitchell. Pretty solid, pretty safe around the 25 to 35 range, I think, for most people. Then you went Zion at 25. Your thoughts on both of these guys before Tommy and I comment? Yeah, so Donovan Mitchell, you're not going to get him lower than that. I don't think he's fallen past 30, 35 maybe. So he wasn't coming back to me. I really wanted him. Um, he was great. You know, after the break last year, averaged. 26 and a half points, four and a half boards, four and a half assists, a steal per game, uh, 45, 82 percentage split. So he was, he was really good. And the, the biggest hit against him was three turnovers per game, but that doesn't matter in eight cat. So I, I liked getting him, uh, filled the scoring quota. It's hard to get high volume scores later in the draft, unless you're willing to go for a guy like Wiggins or something. So I wanted to get a 20, 25 per game score, locked it up. Then I took a shot on Zion. I figured field goal percentage is going to be great. Defensive stats are going to come in bunches. Uh, He's looked good so far in the preseason and going to be a fun team with a fast pace. Again, turnovers won't hurt you in this format. So I just kind of went with an upside guy. Let me ask you guys this about Zion. I believe one of our recent Roto World blurbs said he hasn't been getting blocks yet, but the blocks will come. Are we assuming something possibly that we should be careful about assuming when it comes to Zion just getting a bunch of blocks I guess I think back to Blake Griffin when he came into the league was obviously just a ridiculous high flyer in college just like Zion we assumed he was going to be like a quality NBA shot blocker that never materialized I'm not saying this is a this is a exactly fair comparison in any way I know Zion can fly and he probably will block shots but but do you guys have any caution about that since we haven't really seen it in box scores yet yeah, I'm not overly concerned. I think, if anything, that's probably that, that, along with field goal percentage, is probably his safest categories in terms of a really high floor. It's not just that Zion's a great leaper and a tremendous athlete. He also has really, really top notch defensive IQ and, and, and defensive abilities. We saw that at Duke, you know, over the 35 plus games they played over the full NCAA season. He's a great help side defender. Um, not only can he knock down, uh, you know, block three point attempts um, due to his timing and his anticipation, there are just some players that have just that kind of defensive instinct you know obviously Mitchell Robinson is, is gifted and with seven foot and long arms etc but he just has an instinct same with Rudy Gobert etc well some other other seven footers don't have it um I'm really confident that Zion will, will average at least the block maybe 1.5 um so yes I guess in direct to answer your question I'm not overly concerned nor am I I mean 1, 1.8 blocks per game in 30 minutes with Duke 
Uh, some of it is schematic. Tommy brought up weak side help. I mean, sometimes it takes a while to figure out in the NBA, when can you cheat off your man, go give help, and get those easy easy blocks. Um, so maybe, you know, there'll be a little bit of a learning curve, but I think we'll see it within a matter of weeks, if not, you know, maybe months. That's a fair point. And, and as Tommy was talking, I started to think about that block he had, I believe, on DeAndre Hunter, who I love, by the way, as a rookie this year, uh, just swatting a three-point attempt of his uh, in the corner. So... Yeah, I mean, again, I, I I wasn't that worried. I just wanted to ask you guys' thoughts on that. So, yeah. Ryan, you next pick at 48 and 49, and you go with Tobias Harris and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, both guys that a lot of people like. Give us the sales pitch on either or both. Well, the sales pitch on Tobias – I, I feel like I made a mistake. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I don't I don't love the pick. I, I like it value wise, but for my team, I, I wish in retrospect that I had taken a guy like John Morant. Okay. I want assists. I look at my team now and as we go through it, you'll see I've got a bunch of guards, but none of them are really assist guys. I mentioned Donovan Mitchell can give you four. Maybe Shea takes a leap with OKC and gives you five six per game but we didn't see a ton of assists from him last year so i think i have a punt assist team on my hands um we'll see but it's just kind of an awkward spot so i, I wish i had gone with jaw number 48 but i do love shay uh he's he's one of the road world crew's best breakout guys i think he's only gonna get better as the season goes on chris paul could either be traded or shut down and even if he isn't shay played 50 percent shooting guard last year 50 percent point guard essentially with the clippers so um, you know, he could play either guard spot, on ball, off ball. So I think he's he's just going to be a breakout, most improved type type candidate. Yeah, Ja went 51st uh, in this league, by the way. So three picks after you t- took Tobias, he went to Andy Barron's. As for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I am not at all worried about him. But I have noticed that in preseason, he has not been racking up assists. So I wonder if this is going to be, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that that category is going to be his strong suit at the moment or at least at the start of the season what are your thoughts on Shea racking up or not racking up assists Tommy yeah so a couple positives from the preseason as far as OKC and Shea is concerned is that he is playing a lot alongside uh, Chris Paul interestingly the first preseason game of the year they started Shea CP3 and Dennis Schroeder um, in an in a interesting, weird three-guard alignment um, uh, did Billy Donovan out in OKC. Um, so I think just kind of sending the message, listen, these guys are going to play alongside each other. You know, so I, I think Shea will get the minutes. But to your point, I think that the, the concern there is he's not going to rack up the assists as he's going to be playing off the ball a bunch. Um, I'm sure, obviously, Donovan's going to stagger their minutes where he'll get a bunch of minutes after Chris Paul comes out. But I do think uh, that is a bit of concern. But more importantly, um, you know, was averaging over 20 points a game, one of only seven players in the league over the first three or four preseason games. There's a lot to like there. His stock is definitely rising, much like John Morant, much like Zion Williamson. You know, you could have gotten those guys probably a round or two later than you would have currently if you if you draft today. Um, those guys' stocks are definitely rising, and for good reason. Yeah. Okay, so Ryan, uh, we are going to give your next two picks, you know, the full attention, and then we'll maybe do an express version for the second half of the draft. But at 72, you take DeLon Wright, who has really grown on me, and I, and I feel like this pick could end up looking really good. And Wendell Carter Jr., another guy with some concerns, as we have about all the Bulls, but definitely plenty of upside. Uh, talk us through both of these picks. Yeah, two more guys who could really break out this year. DeLon's going to start for the Mavs. I think he's in just a great position. 
again, I'm going to need a lot of growth from Delon and, and Shea as assist guys if I'm not going to lose that category most weeks. So I'm a little worried. You don't want to, I don't like to punt period really, but if I do it, it's going to be a nine cat, not eight cat. So this wasn't an intentional move necessarily, but if they don't, you know, if Shea's only given me four dimes a game and Delon's given me four or five, it's going to be tough to compete, but we'll see. Um, you know, he is, he's looked good. He's not playing a ton of minutes in the preseason, but you know, nor should he. Um, but he's looked good so far 19 minutes per game, averaging three boards, three assists, half a steal, just seems like a natural fit there. Um, and then Wendell, as you said, I got, I got these guys at 72 and 73 respectively. So that's the point in the draft where their upside kind of is compensated compensates for the risk for a guy like Wendell because he's in a perfect spot. The Bulls don't have a lot of competition at center. They want him to have the ball in his hands and operate from the high post. Sometimes they, you know, they think he can shoot. So yeah, I think he's got the total package and gave me another center, which I needed. Uh, you start to see centers and point guards get scooped up left and right. So that was another reason I really tried to target a guard and a center at this point. Tommy, are you in on both of these guys in your drafts? Any concerns about either one? Um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine on both those guys, especially relative to the position they were picked. Carter Jr. worries me a little bit with the injury history. It's if it's not one thing, it's the uh, it's it's another. You know, he hasn't really you know missed time this preseason, but he's been dinged up with a elbow and, and some other minor nagging injuries. So that's a little bit of a concern. And as far as Wright's concerned, you know, I, I, as Ryan mentioned, I think assists probably scale those back a little bit. Doncic is really going to play point guard primarily, almost exclusively. Um, so Wright, will, if he plays point guard, will be with the second unit. And Brunson's played relatively well as well out in Dallas. So um, a little bit of a concern with Wright, but uh, I think he's solid. I both think, uh, you know, I don't feel strongly about the picks one way or the other, to be honest. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Damning I, I, me with faint praise, huh? <laughs> yeah, Ryan, those picks really did nothing for me. Uh, <laughs> right with Memphis for what it's worth in 26 games last year, after around 12 points, nearly five and a half boards, 5.3 assists, 1.6 steals, 0.6 blocks, 0.83 pointers in 31 minutes a game. Uh, I am on board with that pick. I understand what Tommy's saying, though, about Luca stealing a bunch of assists, but I still think Wright's going to get his chances. And I also think he's a guy you're drafting kind of for the all around deal. Much like right. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, really, more than like him dominating in any one category. Yeah, and it helps so far. Another little strategic wrinkle I'll throw in is that I don't have any huge injury risks on my team, which is why I can add Wendell Carter Jr. and not, not really be worried. Whereas I'm looking at a team like, uh, not to throw him under the bus, but Kyle from, from uh, Rotowire had Porzingis went at 28, and then he followed that up with Levine at 45, Lonzo Ball at 52. So the rest of that draft, you, you're you going to have to play it so safe because now you have three major injury risks. So I like at the top four or five rounds, I really try to avoid those huge injury risks, guys like AD, because um, it gives you a little more wiggle room in the middle and late rounds. You heard it, you heard it folks. Ryan Knauss starting a direct feud with Kyle from Roto-Wire. Uh, <laughs> aggressive. It just shot across the bow there. All right, so Ryan, you pick in the eighth round at 96 and let's just run through your remaining picks here and then we can talk about a handful yeah. of these guys as well jeremy lamb at 96 dwight powell at 97 darius garland at 120 ooze and oz as you take colin sexton right after him at 121 i believe andy barons called that the garland sexton victory lap uh <laughs> dennis schroeder at 144 Jakob pertle at 145 and troy brown at 168 for me, the the part of this that stands out is Garland and Sexton. And I, guys, I'm 
I am tantalized. I'm intrigued by Darius Garland. Uh, having watched his brief preseason highlights, he looks every bit as dynamic as he did during his brief uh, cameo at Vanderbilt. I just think this guy is going to be really good. Um, I realize that maybe he's not going to shoot great, but I think he might shoot just fine. Uh, wh- where are you guys with Garland as a late round guy with upside? Uh, I like Garland. Um, I think there's a, you know, and, and Ryan also smartly paired him with sex. And so if one of those guys kind of establishes himself, um, he can drop the other or, you know, or the other, you know, whichever way it goes. Um, you know, Garland has a good in stretches, but he is still coming off a knee injury. Um, he's only, you know, averaging around 12 minutes a night. So we'll see how it plays that itself out. But I do like getting guards on bad teams that need to put up points, especially late in the draft, kind of rounding out your roster um, with those yeah. guys that make it empty calorie stats, but we'll get stats nonetheless. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll say I was chastened after uh, after taking Sexton ahead of Garland in the live Roto World draft we did <laughs> when you, you guys you guys mocked that pick, so I made sure to <laughs> at least uh, hedge my bets a little. But I love it, man. As, as Tommy said, take the entire backcourt for a bad team, two young guys, lottery picks, they're going to need to score, especially when Kevin Love is probably shut down eventually or gets hurt or is traded. So I like it. And at this point, I have enough young guards that a couple of these guys are going to break out. You know, I don't have a De'Aaron Fox type, you know, lock. I don't have a guy like James Harden who's going to give me an automatic eight plus assist per game. But I've got a lot of four or five. Maybe you get some uh, six assist guys. So I'm starting to feel better about my team as I read through this. <laughs> that means that you know, means I mean, we did a bad job, Matt. If he started, yeah, better, then we weren't yeah. That let's let's do better for the rest of the way, guys. <laughs> All right, Tommy is next up. Tommy, as I said, picked eleventh, one spot before me. Immediately ruined my night by taking Drew Holiday eleventh. I was just thinking to myself, like, okay, just get Drew and someone else, Drew and a big guy, you'd be off to a good start. And Tommy, I knew it. I realized it like right before you picked. It. I was like, oh, Tommy's gonna take Drew, and, I, and I'm screwed here. So you went Holiday at eleven, Drummond at 14 take us through it yeah i didn't love drummond at 14 i was kind of you know going back and forth there but i figured i'd get a center uh, get a reliable guy that's going to play a lot of minutes uh and, and as you mentioned i was hoping for either beal or or holiday uh beal went right before me um so very happily scooped up holiday who i think we all agree is, is uh, set for big things this season yeah 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 so ryan any any strong overwhelming thoughts on either of those first two picks from tommy I guess my big question for you would be Drummond's free throw shooting. Always the elephant in the room. If you pick him to, to take him at 14 in 8-cat, are you worried about tanking that category? Did you consciously then try to get more bad free throw shooting, you know, pick pick off value throughout the draft? Or? I don't. I usually try to get best player available and kind of assess after the draft. Do I need to make a trade? Um, if I feel it's a problem over the first couple weeks, um, you know, I, I can kind of address it at that point. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm firmly in the camp of um, not overthinking strategy too much, especially during a live draft. If it's an online draft, we have five hours between picks. You know, you can kind of think out and plan yeah. out and prod out. Um, but during the heat of a draft, I, I want to get the best players available. And if my roster is unbalanced, I can kind of address that through trades early in the year, especially if I have players that are playing well and that can demand value elsewhere. So, Tommy, your next pick is at 35, and again, I, I for some reason had false hope here that I was going to get this guy, which is just idiotic of me, because of course you're going to take Mitchell Robinson, 35th, your guy, 35 for him feels like it could just pay off tremendously, and then you take Old Man Winter, Chris Paul at 38, uh, which for me is a little bit of a shock, I mean, it's not, I don't have a problem with the pick considering that 
he's basically at worst a top 20 top 25 guy when he's on the court but obviously some people are worried about cp3 what are your thoughts on both those guys yeah, uh, Mitch Robinson obviously was a no-brainer from that perspective. And plus, the, as Ryan mentioned, I had taken a Drummond, um, so my, my free-throw percentage probably wasn't going to be great. But Mitch Robinson is a decent free-throw shooter for a big man. Um, as far as CP3, quite simply, he was the highest-rated player on the board for me. Uh, I understand there's injury concerns, um, but I think there's also a motivation on OKC's part to kind of showcase Paul that he's healthy, that he's still able to contribute and play at a very high level, hopefully convince another team to trade for that Albatross contract because, you know, OKC wants no part of it going forward. And when he's healthy, as you mentioned, he can be a 15 top 20 player. And lastly, I just needed assists. Uh, Holiday should be able to provide some assists, even though I think they may be down a tick with Lonzo Ball in the mix there. Um, and obviously with Drummond and Mitchell, I'm going to get very few assists. So I figured I'd get an assist point guard in to round out the roster there in my fourth pick. Yeah, I like those picks too. I think Chris Paul, I'm looking at the other point guards that were available right there, and it's not a very compelling group. You know, Shea went around later. John Morant, if you really want to take a shot, but uh, guys like Kyle Lowry, not a great Eric Blood, so these guys don't really do it for me. So I think CP, although I'm a little nervous, he's he's worth the risk there for me. Yeah, big, it was a big drop off after him in terms of point guards at that point as well. All right, so you pick again at 59 and 62. Here you take DeMar DeRozan and Otto Porter. Uh, you're a known Otto Porter enthusiast, so this pick should have probably surprised no one. It feels like he's a guy who's kind of floating around in this range, and he's kind of proven in the past that he is, when healthy, he's he's like a top 25 guy and possibly has even more upside now that he's in Chicago. Are you pumped about this pick, Tommy? Yeah, absolutely. I think both picks are, are guys that, you know, just kind of fit my profile, things I'm looking for. They're boring, you know, <laughs> players that just, you know, no one's no one curses you when you draft them. Like, ah, damn, you know, you scooped them mm-hmm. up. Even though they probably had them high on their own individual list, are probably happy somebody else took them. Um, but, yeah, I've had – I think I've gotten DeMar DeRozan, if not in every draft I've had this year – in 99% of drafts I've had this month, uh, I end up with DeRozan. Just because for some reason, you know, guys just tend to, to not value what he brings to the table. Last year, he averaged uh, 21.6 rebounds, 6 assists, first player in Spurs franchise history. Shoots a relatively high percentage from the floor. Um, very good free throw shooter. Low turnovers. Um, there's just a lot to like there for DeRozan. Finishes, you know, seemingly in the top 50 every single season. So, I, you know, obviously he doesn't provide threes. So, you know, you hope that he can, you know, eventually do that. But uh, and, and Porter's, you know, cut from a similar cloth is not going to dominate any one category, win you any one category. Um, but he's going to stuff the sat sheet across the board. Um, and those type of guys are just great guys to kind of build the foundation of your fantasy team around. Yeah. I mean, DeMar, top 50 value for four straight years. Yeah. So y- y- you know what you're getting there. And Otto... You know, it's it's always the injury concerns that chase people away from him, right? Like, no one's taking him, assuming that he'll play 80 games. But I think it's a little bit overblown. This is a guy who played 74 or more games four consecutive seasons before last year. That's tremendous durability. And the only reason he was shut down last year, he had a little rotator cuff tweak, and the Bulls were going nowhere. They, they owe him a lot of money. They wanted him to be healthy this year, so they shut him down. But it didn't seem like a major issue, didn't seem to linger over the summer. He's back, he's got a little hamstring issue, but he's, he should be fine. So I think 74 games, four straight years, if he hits that mark, that that's a steal, that pick. 
Also, by the way, small sample size, but he played 15 games for Chicago last year, averaged 17 and a half points, up basically five points per game from what he was doing in Washington. Also hit 2.6 threes per game, shooting 49% on threes. Now, you could say he was just hot, and that's definitely possible, but with more volume, he, he looked up to the task. So, I'm yeah, I think he's a guy who could kind of continue to be in that range and just be a pretty dynamic guy as opposed to the the kind of boring steady one we've gotten used to agreed okay good uh <laughs> next up for you tommy let's uh let's talk about these next two picks in more detail before we we rip through the back half of your draft which actually is pretty intriguing but you're at 83 you take hassan whiteside at 86 you take larry nance everyone seems to be back on board with whiteside it's almost like all is forgiven from a frustrating season last year. Talk us through your your feelings on Hassan. Sure, I love Whiteside. I, I'm shocked that he continues to fall this late. And, and he, this this wasn't an anomaly. I've seen this in, in multiple drafts I've done. He really tends to tumble down the draft board. Um, I think his struggles last year are way overblown. He's a temperamental, moody player. He obviously worked his way into Spolster's doghouse. And that's certainly a, a situation that, that bears monitoring in Portland. Um, will he get along with Stotts, who's a, a, a demanding coach as well? That's a concern. Um, but in terms of talent, I like the draft talent and Whiteside oozes is it um in 17 18 was a top 50 guy in in a cat in 16 17 was a top 20 guy you know top 25 guy remember this is two years ago averaged 17 points 14 boards um shot 58 percent from the floor near over two blocks a game the trailblazers absolutely gutted their front court this offseason um you know Nurkic probably will be sidelined till february I understand this, some concerns when Nurk comes back that, you know, what kind of, you know, production will Whiteside see in the second half of the season or in the fantasy playoffs. I'll worry about that when I get there. Um, I think Whiteside is one of those guys that's going to drastically outproduce his ADP, um, especially over the first half of the season. So I'd love to scoop him up there. Um, and, and Nance as well. Uh, he's kind of similar. Um, I think he's a poor man's out of Porter um, and similar to DeRozan and those guys in respect that um, not a sexy pick, not a real buzzy high, you know, high scorer. Um, but he again stuffs the stat sheet. Bad team. Someone needs to score points. He's a good distributor from the high post. Um, so I like Nance as well. I like Whiteside in that uh, you mentioned they gutted the front court. Right? There's really no competition. I mean, last year part of the reason he struggled, other than health concerns, was that he was fighting off Bam Adebayo for minutes. He would get upset when the coach yanked him. Get upset when he wasn't out there for the fourth quarter. Right, you don't have to deal with that, I don't think, nearly as much this year. And Nurk's return, I'm getting more and more confident that Whiteside will be fine, especially a league like this. It ends on April 4th, I think, April 5th. By the time Nurk comes back, it's probably going to be late March, maybe. I mean, we, we don't know. It was a major injury. When he does come back, he'll have limited minutes, probably going to sit out games. So all of this just benefits Whiteside. All right, so, Tommy, your last six picks in order. Gary Harris, 107th. R.J. Barrett, 110. JaVale McGee, 131. Patrick Beverly, 134. Dwayne Bacon, 155. Willie Cauley-Stein, 158. This draft was over, or was this just about a week ago? Anyways, I, I don't know. Gary Harris had a really good preseason game on Monday night. I think he's looking fantastic. I think he's a guy who's going to need to be going up, dra- going way up draft boards. And I really like R.J. Barrett and JaVale McGee as well this late. Um, I just want to open this up to both of your your guys' thoughts on Tommy's late-round picks. JaVale McGee makes me a little nervous. Dwight Howard actually looks kind of good. But, hey, JaVale, at 131, you might as well grab him. Uh, you definitely are going to be losing 
free throw percentage at this point <laughs> with with Whiteside paired with Andre Drummond paired with JaVale it's going to be tough to to crawl out of that hole yes uh, it's certainly a, a you know a, a reasonable concern but McGee again did finish 65th overall in um, eight cat leagues last year um, so mm-hmm. to get him in the, in the 120s I thought was great value and yes Howard will be there but I think both those guys will split will be a relatively close in split minutes um, you know, uh, again, McGee only averaged 22 minutes a game last year. So if he averages around 20, 21 this year, um, I still think he can definitely provide top 75 overall value. Yeah, Barrett, I think his uh, shooting percentage is definitely going to be concerned, but he's shown that he's going to stuff the stat sheet and get plenty of minutes in New York. He's done that all his, his entire life. Um, Beverly's another guy that uh, put up quality numbers last season, took a flyer on Bacon, um, been encouraged with the, the his usage rate um, over his first few uh, preseason games with Charlotte. Sure. We've talked a lot about how Lamb and Walker have left a, a sizable hole in that Charlotte offensive pie, so I think Bacon will eat there. Um, and Coley Stein was just an injury and IR guy. Um, one of the things uh, I think we've discussed on this pod and elsewhere is make sure if your league has an IR spot, make sure you leave with at least one IR player because then you can stash him and then pick up another guy as soon as the draft ends. Yeah, I like I liked that bacon pick too. Bacon will eat there. Nice touch, Tommy. There well well done. All right, so that brings us to me, guys. I picked 12th in this in this draft. I can't honestly think of a worse place to pick like especially this year it's just it's pretty bleak down there so with that said I think the safe course for me probably would have been to take Kyrie Irving and you know maybe Andre Drummond Kyrie was still there wasn't he yeah 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 so that would have been the safe course to go I went a different course and I decided I'm this far down guys like Beal and Holiday are gone I need to take a swing on a guy who has a ceiling that he hasn't hit yet so I'm also just a rabid Hawks homer, so I took Trey Young, which this is earlier than I really want to take him in a league, but I feel like my only path to uh, winning from the 12 spot in this league is if Trey just becomes an absolute beast, you know, and and hmm. kind of becomes like a 25-9 and nine guy every night, which is not crazy at all, I don't think, um, and especially considering that turnovers don't hurt you in this league, that helps him out a lot, so that's what I did at 12. I took Nikola Vucevic at 13, which, again, I think is a little earlier than he's going off draft boards, but I've talked to you guys a million times about Vuce and my affinity for him. <laughs> uh, I just think he's he's a locked and loaded top 12 type of guy when he's on the court. So I think he should really be going top 15, and I will I will draft him accordingly. You're right that he tends to fall, but he was, what, top 10 last year, I believe, in nine cats, somewhere around there in eight. Um, so it's a, it's a solid safe pick, especially after coming off, you know, taking a, a shot at a guy like Trey, um, which is a reasonable gamble. And then I like that you came away with a, a point guard and a big here and then d- doubled that up at the next turn. So uh, that's a good good strategy in any draft, really. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think Trey Young was a reach, but you know, in the in the quote unquote expert league, sometimes you have to take a little bit of a gamble um, early in the draft. So I don't mind it, and I definitely like the Vooch pick. Um, some would knock it, but uh, we've talked about this before, Matt. There's no real reason other than, you know, he's is he really this good not to take Vooch this early? Um, and I'm a believer that he can uh, at least come close to replicating his stats from last season. All right, so I pick again at 36 and 37. And I take Clint Capella at 36, a guy who I'm getting in a lot of drafts and very happily so. He was basically a top 20-ish guy last year and for some reason is falling well beyond that. I don't know what 
is going on? Do people think Russell Westbrook is somehow going to hurt Capella? I don't get it. But and then I take Mike Conley at 37, which I don't love and I don't hate. I It's just a thing that happened. Yeah, I was right after you as we talked about it. I took Paul. I was hoping Conley would be there, so I like that pick. And I agree with you on Capella. I'm, I'm surprised that he's slipping a little bit. Yeah, I have Conley at 31 on my 8-cat, weighted by games played. And he falls, though. You can get him at, you know, you got him at 37. Sometimes you can get him in the 40s. Uh, so he's a good mid-round target, as we talked about with Chris Paul, who went right after this. Point guards dry up pretty quickly, so he's a good good guy to get there. All right, so I pick at 60 and 61, and I go Kelly Oubre and Jonathan Isaac. This is the part of my draft where I start to feel really good about it. If, if the Trey Young and Nikola Vucevic, especially Trey Young, was a reach, I feel like I got some guys I really liked in this range, and I'm I'm psyched about both these guys. Do you guys? I, we all like Jonathan Isaac. Do you guys like Oubre? I don't like Oubre as much as I like Isaac, uh, but I I understand the upside for the, uh, the the reason for his his he played really well over the second half of last season. Ditto, and you're giving yourself tons of, of upside with these two picks you know as, as you mentioned a little safer with Vooch Capella Conley these aren't breakout candidates you're just hoping they hit the marks they've had before now you come back with Ubre and Isaac bring a little heat so uh, I like it and Isaac everyone's favorite breakout candidate I think he's looked really good this preseason could be a defensive stat monster so hopefully he uh, doesn't burn me like he did last year Continuing on to the 80s, I take T.J. Warren at 84, DeJounte Murray at 85. I really like T.J. Warren, um, who was a top 40-ish guy when he was healthy, at least in nine-category leagues, and similarly good value in eight-category leagues. Murray, I can talk myself into. I think I could talk myself into being a little bit concerned as well, but this late in a draft like this, I'm just happy to get a point guard with upside. Uh, agreed. I think it follows the the, the, the previous, you know, uh, Ubre and Isaac pick and Murray. Um, very high upside. A little bit concerned. You know, he he's working his way back from you know, obviously ACL surgery. He's been a little bit rusty in the preseason, shooting around thirty five percent. But Warren pick I like a lot. I've gotten him in a ton of leagues. It's the one really cool thing I think about fantasy hoops, um, as opposed to especially as opposed to fantasy football, which uh, you know is is that. You know, in a in a fantasy football league, a wide receiver eight or nine is never going to fall. You know, more than you know five or six picks usually. Um, but in in basketball, you can have a guy that you have ranked you know in the fifties, and he'll fall to the eighties. You know, it's just it's very unique because there's a lot of different. There's not as much consensus on the basketball land, and I, I that's the reason for picks like Warren um, and, and assorted players. I I just think it's very interesting. The only reason I wouldn't take Warren is is the health. He hasn't played more than sixty six games ever in his career so yeah and i think if the, if not for that he would be going basically as like a top 50 top 60 guy yeah probably. for sure Agreed. all right so my last six picks running through them kevin herter 108 serge ibaka 109 at 108 i got called out uh for taking hawks in this draft <laughs> it's only the second one which i felt it wasn't that big of a deal but whatever ibaka at 109 uh now i now i get another hawk at 132 and deandre hunter Will Barton at 133, Chris Dunn at 156, Jarrett Culver at 157. I dropped Chris Dunn for P.J. Washington of the Hornets. Wise decision. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Any any thoughts on those last six guys? Herder, Ibaka, Hunter, Barton, Dunn, Jarrett Culver. I mean, Washington. 
I like Ibaka. I thought that was probably my favorite among those picks. Again, just another guy, boring guy with nice upside. Um, you know, there's just there's a lot to like there. He's not going to blow the roof off. He's not going to finish the top 50 guy. But anytime you can get a top 100 player out, you know, in the 10th round uh, of a 12-team league, there's a lot to like there. My issue with Herter going that high is he shot 41% from the field last year. He was 73% from the from the line, and after the break, he was even worse, 40% and 69%. Doesn't give you many defensive stats, so unless he takes a big leap in his age 21 or 22 season, which is possible, but I, I haven't seen it. Maybe, maybe you've seen something different as an avid uh, Hawks watcher. Yeah, Herter is... At his best, showed a pretty good all-around game last year. He was definitely inconsistent, but he's more athletic than people realize. He is a good passer, um, and I think he can be just an absolutely lights-out shooter. This is also, by the way, I should say, what happened here is Tommy took Gary Harris at 107, and I'm just throwing papers you know electronics around my office at this point um i was furious so i was like you know what forget it i was taking a herder i'll just take a guy i like here uh i was i was enraged um i you will say got, you could have gotten him back by taking rj barrett from him. well uh, that's what i almost did yeah. that, that is actually what i almost did i'm not kidding and i and i wish i had i was a little worried about rj's uh, percentages so i backed off there but now you're telling me you don't like Herter's percentages, so I'm going to start throwing things again over here. <laughs> I will say, briefly, we got to get out of here in a second, but I think DeAndre Hunter, despite my Hawks homerism, is a guy who people really should target late in drafts. Mm. I think he's going to have a big role right away. He's shown a good offensive game during the preseason. I think he could be a nice sleeper. And I think Jarrett Culver is an intriguing guy who's who's almost free at the end of drafts. Yeah, I like uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker among rookies at free at the end of drafts, but Culver's another guy. Very talented player, put up great all-around stats at Texas Tech. So um, assuming he gets a minute, he can put up nice uh, nice all-around numbers. Yeah, Culver's grown on me, and you might as well take a shot on a couple rookies at this point. So I liked having Hunter and Culver go for you in the 130 to 150 range. All right, that is about it for us on this episode. Don't forget to take a moment to rate and review the show. Take a second to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. As I said, we'll be going to three episodes a week next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So look forward to that. We're looking forward to the start of the season. Ryan, Tommy, thank you for taking the time. Fellas, we will talk to you soon. See ya. Thanks, fellas.